Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. Happy Mother's Day. I know we've got a number of uh, parents and grandparents here for the show for the kids, and uh, we've got a number of great songs that they're going to do, as well as handbells. It's a very fun, exciting service this morning, and we're grateful that you're here. Before we get started, I'm going to tell you a couple of announcements. We have an um, exploring membership class every first Sunday of the month. We had one um, last Sunday, and we'll have one again in June. It gives you the opportunity to learn more about Memorial, about the United Methodist Church, about our people. You get to meet other uh, new visitors and gives you a friendly face in the congregation that uh, I think is truly important to being willing to come back. Um, we have an opportunity for you to pray in the service uh, uh, by writing on a prayer card. Um, that card will be shared with me. I'll share it during the prayer concerns, and then it will be shared with our Tuesday prayer group as they pray uh, over all sorts of things in the, in the greater Greer community. If you would like a prayer card that you would like to be shared in the worship service, if you'll raise your hand, they'll bring you a note card and uh, ask that you simply print, and print very, very legibly uh, so that it's easy to read. If you'll please do that for me. Um, for those of you considering joining our church, the next opportunity is next week. We're going to have a large group join our church. It's going to be a fun Sunday. Um, of course, if you cannot next week, you can join any Sunday uh, that you would like. You just need to talk to me. You need to talk to our secretary, Beth, and we would like you to come to one of our exploring membership classes, one or more, um, to meet other new people. We continue today with our mission and worship theme, and it's about the STEP program. Uh, Bob McQuaid is uh, one of our retired ministers in the congregation, and he's going to talk about the STEP program, which is just about to start um, down by the Greer Soup Kitchen, and it's got an amazing story. And I think... Um, themes and principles of motherhood, of I've been praying for you before you got here. I've prepared a place so that you won't be anxious. I'm going to teach you uh, what you're going to be so that when you go forward, um, you can succeed in this world. Um, mission and service. Um, two weeks ago, I announced that um, we were going to ask $2 for you to bring $2 for every member of your family to our church, and that's uh, $1 going in each direction, which are very important directions. One of them is Epworth Children's Home. You have a part of that in your bulletin. And it's an um, agency in Columbia that helps uh, children that do not have uh, solid families. Uh, they bring them to Epworth. They stay there. They give them an opportunity to be amongst their peers and um, uh, have a solid learning environment, loving environment. They make sure they go to class, and they give them a leg up in a way that they would not normally. One of your dollars will go that way. Another dollar is another United Methodist initiative, which is Imagine No Malaria. It helps buy uh, nets and all sorts of things for children in Africa that are getting bitten by mosquitoes. And so one dollar goes one way, one dollar goes the other way, both of them entirely critical, and you can't imagine how much that one dollar will help uh, from each member of your family. Um, we do not have the security check-in system today because of all the craziness uh, that we're doing. Um, but that will resume again uh, next week. It gives you the opportunity for you to have a sticker and for your child to have a sticker. I believe that's enough announcements for you to absorb. That's probably plenty. Uh, so let's begin our worship service with our children. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man indeed. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. 
For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear God, thank you for letting us gather here today on this beautiful Mother's Day. Thank you for all of our mothers. Thank you for these sweet kids and their beautiful little voices. And amen.
your neighbor and will the kids meet me on the carpet for their children's sermon. Good morning. Can you tell me what today is? Mother's Day. Did you all get your mom a card? Yeah. Do you think my mom will like this card? Yeah. You do? Even though it's small? Yeah. It says, Happy Mother's Day. I love you. So, you gave your mom, did you make your mom a card? Yeah. Did you maybe get her some flowers or a present? Yeah. You did? You made paper flowers? That is so cool. You did? You're going to make some? Maybe you should show me how. My mom might like those. What do you think your mom might like even more than a present? Love, yeah. Do you think she'd like for you to, and God, and God, yeah, hugs. But do you think she would like for you to show her that you love her? How do you think you could show her that you love her? You think you could hug her? Yeah. Do you think you could clean your room? I think if I cleaned my room, my mom would be very happy. Do the laundry? You can do the laundry? Wow. I need you to show me how. You could show her you love her by obeying her. And when she tells you to do something, instead of going, Ugh, Mom, you could just do it because I need to work on that too. You could get along with your brothers and sisters. Do you all get along with your brothers and sisters? Oh. So-so. Well, do you think... No, it's a no. Well, do you think... <laughs> okay, well, I think you all have really cute and good brothers and sisters, so maybe today you could get along with them. I'm not sure. You're not sure? <laughs> Do you think that God likes to hear us tell him that we love him? Does he like it even better when our actions show him that we love him? How do you think you could show God that you love him? You can give God a hug? An air hug? What about getting along with your brothers and sisters? Uh, <laughs> the Bible tells us that God showed his love for us by sending his one and only son. Y'all know what verse that is. 
What verse is it? The New Testament. It is the New Testament. Do you remember? John 3.16. Oh. It goes on to say that he loved us so much that we ought to love one another. One of the best ways to show our love for God is to love one another. Yes, God likes to hear us say that we love him, but he would rather us say, he would rather us show it to others. So today, as we celebrate our moms and we celebrate Mother's Day, let's tell our moms that we love her, but more important, let's remember how to show her that we love her. And as we worship today, let's tell God that we love him, and let's remember to show him that we love him by loving each other. Do you want to bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Lord, we have come into your house today to say, I love you. Help us go out of here today and show you that we love you by our actions. Amen. You did a good job. Um, I was introduced to Bob and Bobby McQuaid by their work on artwork on the wall before I met them. When I came to tour the church about this time last year, I saw an incredibly sophisticated timeline with all kinds of descriptions on the social hall wall, having no idea of how much they taught, what they taught, the passion. She's already there. The passion that they had. Um, Bob McQuaid is a retired American Baptist minister and uh, has a certain um, hopefulness that I love, but a certain uh, uh, coming at you-ness that I love as well. And I suspect he will share both in his uh, desire for you to talk about step. Good morning. I'm Bob McQuaid and I'm the program director for a homeless shelter about to open on points that near the soup kitchen. One time a preacher was asked what his preaching style was and he said, well, I tell people what I'm gonna tell them, then I tell them, then I tell them what I told them. So today, I'm gonna to tell you what I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you about 10 things you thought you knew about homeless people. I'm gonna tell you about five things you ought to know about the STEP program, it's a family homeless shelter, and two things about how you can get involved. But first, a word of scripture. God said concerning a king that had served, he defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. And here's the phrase I want you to remember. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. Wow. Defending the cause of the poor and needy is what it means to know me says the Lord. Ten things you thought you knew about homeless people. You thought they live under bridges. They live in vans, cars, cheap motels, and church basements. You thought they are disheveled men who drink cheap wine and eat out of garbage cans. They are families with children who eat at the soup kitchen or miss meals altogether. You thought they inhabit the slums of large cities. They had moved into the suburbs. You thought they were visible under bridges and on street corners. They are invisible under the radar in our town. You thought they prefer welfare over work. They are working, but they can't earn enough to make it. You thought they're all about drugs and alcohol. Some are, but many are clean. You thought they just want to live off of government handouts. They want to live free and provide for themselves and their families. You thought they deserve their plight because of the bad choices they've made. They didn't cause the economic crash that left them without a job. They're not responsible for the companies that moved to Mexico or India, leaving them with temporary low paying jobs with no benefits. You thought they're uneducated and stupid. Many are graduates. All are street smart in ways in a, that to survive in a just getting by world that you and I know nothing about. 
You thought they hang out in homeless shelters and move from town to town. Some do, but many want a hand up to get to a better place in life. Five things you ought to know about STEP, a homeless shelter about to open near the soup kitchen in Greer. It is under the auspices of the Board of Daily Bread Ministries that has been serving meals to people every day for over 20 years. We plan to open the first week of June. It has four apartments where participants will live while participating in a 12-week nationally acclaimed program called Getting Ahead in a Just Getting By World. The goal of STEP is to help people reach a better place in life with a sustainable job, a safe, affordable place to live, and hope for the future because Jesus is in their lives. STEP does not ask people what can we do for you? But what do you have? And how can you get to a better place in life? The construction and operation of STEP is fully funded by contributions. There is no indebtedness. And all staff persons are volunteers without pay, including me. Two ways you can get involved in this important ministry, one volunteer as a facilitator, a specialist, an assistant director, a file person, or a church recruiter, I'll train you. Number two, give a little or a lot. Every dollar you give, every dollar you give will go directly into helping step, make a difference in the lives of homeless people. Thank you. I'm available to talk with you, your group, class, or place of employment. Thank you, Bob. Each week during this series I've said I don't expect you all to go out and give 10 hours to eight different agencies every month but I think each agency has a different way for you to give back and a different skill set that you might need. And there may be one of them that you could contribute in one way or another, or maybe more. And um, getting them in front of you is just critically important. I'm grateful uh, for you preparing and speaking to us, Bob. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for a friend who's just had a pacemaker installed. We pray for those who have a loved one that is sick. We pray for those who have just lost a loved one. We pray for those who have lost someone in between last Mother's Day and today. And we pray for mothers and grandmothers all around the world and for people who surround us in such critical ways with the principles of motherhood of comforting us, feeding us, sheltering us, teaching us, inspiring us and listening to us when we have exciting or heartbreaking news. As we hear your text today, Lord, written from our prison cell with total hope, we ask that you help it to uh, inspire us, that we may understand our circumstances, that we may have proper respect for our circumstances, but that we may always hope with our whole heart. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I know it was a little crazy when we were all coming in, so I'll reintroduce myself. If y'all are um, family and friends of 
these uh, awesome kids that are singing for us. My name is Joe Kate, and I'm just about to end uh, one year here at Memorial. It's been a crazy year. It's been a fun year. And um, if you're local, we encourage you to come whenever you can. If you've come a long way to hear this today, we hope you uh, have a safe trip back and a great visit uh, while you're here. We're in a series currently where we're looking at each of these missions independently, and then we have a scripture passage that goes with them uh, that we think captures at least one element of what's going on in that mission. And today we're talking about Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the first phrase I want you to notice is, do not be anxious about anything. That sound realistic? Reflect briefly when someone said to you, don't worry about it, I'm sure it's fine. Um, I'm thinking of a couple different images when somebody has said something like that to me, uh, out past curfew and we're not back yet. Some sort of damage to the family car. Some sort of shady business deal and the person's like, oh, don't even worry about it, you'll be fine. Don't even worry about it. Two guesses about that person that is saying that. One, they instigated it. Two, they will flee from the scene when it really matters. They won't be there when it really matters. Um, I have a dear friend who is a good person, an honorable person. But when we were in high school, we were just about to pull up to my house. This is years and years. I was a sophomore in high school, maybe. And there's a political sign in the yard just before mine. And he says, let's jump out and grab it. He jumps out and grabs it, puts it in the trunk, and starts to pull into my yard. And we see that my father is at the front door, outside the front door. Like 11 o'clock, there's no reason for him to be outside the front door at 11 o'clock. I guess unless maybe we were late. He sees him, he keeps going, acting like we're another car. You know, nothing to see here, we're going to keep going. We went home, changed cars. He brought me back and pulled me in the driveway in a different car. I said, don't even worry about it. My dad was not there on the step any longer. And when I came in the house and came to the top of the stairs, my dad said, Why'd you change cars? <laughs> Period. Now, this is not a great crime. This is not extreme vandalism. Um, but it's a perfect example of someone who instigates something, get you in the middle of it, and then say, oh, it'll be no big deal. It'll be fine. And then they are not there when you deal with the consequences. This is entirely different. The powerful thing about this person that's saying, do not be anxious about anything, is that it is Paul in prison. Way before this day, Paul wrote the book on bringing Christians down. He liked to hunt them down. He liked to put them under trial. He liked to harm them. But now he is one after his conversion. And he has had to say the things that Jesus wanted him to say. Things that as that leader he tried to squash. Things that he knew when he said them. Political leaders and other religious leaders would not like. And that they'd put him in prison. If they put him in prison, they might try him. If they tried him, they might sentence him to die. So he knows full well what the other side's plan is and what their resolve is to end anything that he has to say. And he knows that he has to say it. And in that moment, in that full knowledge of what's coming for him, same as Jesus saying, we've got to go to Jerusalem. Same as John the Baptist saying, I've got to say this to the king, even though it may threaten my very life. The next phrase is, in that moment. In that moment, the time that he writes this letter, his mission has transcended his motivations, his individualistic thoughts, his selfish needs. And the reason I say in that moment is, because we're human, I think we struggle to do that all the time. But I think there are times when we can string something special together, and in this moment, he is truly focused on what the task is and what he needs to do. Let me give you a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. from a letter that he wrote from prison in 1963. He's writing to clergy who are asking him to please stop because you're just 
you just stern it up and get everybody in trouble. There have been more unresolved bombings of Negro homes and churches in Birmingham than any other city in this nation. These are hard, brutal, and unbelievable facts. On the basis of these conditions, Negro leaders sought to negotiate with the city fathers, but the political leaders consistently refused to engage in good faith negotiations. So knowing that trying to do that was not going to get him anywhere, he decided to go to that place and say what needed to be said. So again, in that moment, in that moment, his mission overcame his personal fears, his personal emotions, his selfish ambitions, and he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to say and do the right thing. He continued on in the letter, something I think is incredibly powerful, and I've seen it both good and bad. Individuals may see the moral light and voluntarily give up their unjust posture, but as Reinhold Niebuhr has reminded us, groups are more immoral than individuals. Yeah, that's simple, and it's powerful. Um, that's why moms say to their children when they're getting on the bus, let's make real good choices as you're leaving this place, because you're about to be around people who individually would probably make pretty good choices. But you get a bunch of people together and one thinks that they want to make a bad choice, the rest of them are going to line up um, and follow that bad choice. He said, groups are much harder to change than individuals. But I've got to come here and I've got to say this. Verse 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So, uh, it sounds like he's saying goodbye, does it not? It sounds like he knows that trouble is coming for him. And he's saying, everything that I've ever worked to teach you, to show you, I need you to take it in and I need you to live it. I need you to breathe it. I need you to speak it. I need you to act it out. Do everything possible that I've tried to share with you in the same way that I am. So the next phrase is, put these things into practice. So our greatest impediments to doing something for people who are in need are not the same as they were before. We're not threatened with imprisonment, trial, and death when we try to do something that we think is right. But I think we are threatened by something far more frightening in, in some cases, which is apathy. I don't know if I can do anything. The individual needing help thinks, I don't know if I can do anything. Community thinks, I don't know if we can do anything. Um, I'll be honest, there's different parts of my ministry all over the state in different cities where I have felt, this thing's too big, I don't know how to even start. Or this thing's too complicated, I don't know how to even start. My motivation here has been um, the clearest and the easiest because we have these agencies around us and because this feels like a community and you wrap your arms around and do something significant. And while I'm uh, disappointed that I've had 15 years of ministry where I've done good stuff but struggled in mission, I'm grateful for the opportunity here in this time, in this moment, with these places where we can impact somebody's life and change it. Because apathy you know, can be far, far worse than anything else. But in these 11 months, and in all kinds of sessions with community leaders, I don't sense apathy here. We've got a lot of power and a lot of authority and a lot of uh, resources to help those around us. So while uh, Reinhold Niebuhr said accurately, groups are more immoral than individuals, this is your second phrase. Groups are more powerful than individuals if they're motivated, if they're paying attention, if they want to do the right thing, and I think we've got that opportunity here. The STEP program is going before these families and saying, we're going to try to reduce your anxiety. You know, like when you've had a very hard day and you say, I don't even know if I can get anything done. You're like, you haven't had a snack in like three hours. 
And you're like, Ugh. or like you don't get the green turn arrow, and you think, why is the world against me? These things that will just shred us, these people live in these moments with far greater obstacles and have way less opportunity to overcome them. And so anxiety just stays right here on this level, all the way up here. And if you are anxious constantly, what are you truly capable of in terms of your potential? This is one of the most interesting programs I've heard in my entire ministry. We're going to give you housing so that you can get a job. Not we're going to see if we can get a job so that you can maybe get housing. We're going to settle your home life. And we're going to give you mentors. And we're going to give you financial mentors. And we're going to give you a chance to raise up and do something special. So whatever we've learned, whatever we've received, whatever we've heard, will be shared with these families. And Bob, we're grateful for your efforts in driving us to be um, participants in it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you've given us so many things before we ever knew it. So much love and so much provision. So much understanding and wisdom. And we ask that you help us to respond to that love that has gone before us with love that goes before others. Help us to teach these children your message of hope and your burden of responsibility to respond to this community with love. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please join me in the modern affirmation if you'll stand. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you'll please be seated. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. We're so grateful for your generosity to our church, and um, we get to enjoy the kids playing handbells.
Welcome to Sing the Bible. We've been learning some Bible trivia and studying scripture through song. The Bible was probably written over a period of 1,500 years with over 40 different authors. It has been translated into over 2,000 languages. There are 66 books in the Bible. 39 of them are Old Testament. The book of Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. It contains 43,743 words. There are 27 books in the New Testament. Third John is the shortest book in the Bible. It contains 299 words. Jesus performs over 30 miracles in the New Testament. The first one is during the water into wine at a wedding. The name Jesus appears over 900 times in the Bible. The word Christ is not a name, but, it, but, it, but a title. It means the anointed one. Ten Commandments to follow, including having no other gods except one true God, and the living an honorable life with no lying, cheating, or stealing. And we are supposed to listen to our parents, too. We found out that there are a lot of Old Testament laws that seem sort of silly to us today. For instance, men were not supposed to cut their hair or shave their beards. You can't eat any animals that have paws. That This is good news for cats. And you shouldn't pick up any grapes in, in your 
find her, Jack falls to the ground. Oh, and don't eat anything that you find already dead. We learned some funny facts about the Bible, too. Like, did you know that Psalms 118.8 is the exact middle verse of the Bible? And there are 1,188 chapters in the Bible other than Psalms 118. That's the same numbers it takes to make up chapter 118, verse 8. The oldest man in the Bible is Methuselah. He lived to be 969 years old. There are seven Marys in the New Testament. Dogs are mentioned 41 times in the Bible. Cats are never mentioned, but ostriches are mentioned at least twice, depending on the translation. We think God wants us to enjoy the Bible and the way we learn our scripture.
There are many important lessons in the Bible. We learn to love and trust God, and we learn to love and take care of others. But perhaps the most important lesson is that by believing in and in, in following Jesus, we are set free from, his, from sin and death. Because of his sacrifice, we can have eternal life. Jesus showed us how to love each other. We should love others as Christ has loved us. And we are to 
Some fine facts about. Wait, no. There are many ways we can show our love for Jesus. We are to be a living example of God's love. God's entrusted to us this earth and all the people and animals here. It is our job to take care of God's children. We should share our blessing with. Should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. The servant of all. also express our love for, uh, for God by spending time in our own prayer life. Jesus taught us to pray by example with the Lord's Prayer. Thank you. 
we hope you've enjoyed a journey through the Bible with us today. Remember, through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives us has set you free. And especially, don't forget, do not eat anything you find already dead. to express gratitude to Cindy for all the works that she puts in for Megan for being her special assistant for Greg for knowing how to sound up any of that and for Adam for making sure it's on the video for people that miss it if y'all give them brief thank you kids for your hard work and well behavior too in the service we're grateful uh, if you'll stand for the benediction Rise now and go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Yeah.